Welcome to Current Radio's Technology Station. Please enjoy today's selection of technology news. So Celeste, remember when Meta promised end-to-end encryption for Messenger? It seems they're finally delivering on that promise. About time. So we're talking default encryption for personal chats and calls, right? Exactly. Group chats, however, will still be an opt-in feature. This is a major step in ensuring that neither Meta nor any third party can access the content of a chat. That's a win for privacy. But why did it take so long? They've been testing this since 2016, haven't they? Well, according to Loredana Crisan, Meta's head of Messenger, the delay was because they wanted to get it right. They had to rebuild Messenger features from the ground up, involving everyone from engineers to... Hold up, James. Rebuild from the ground up? Like the entire app? Well, not exactly. But yes, certain features. For example, the sticker library and chat storage had to be restructured for this encryption protocol. And they're using the Signal protocol for this, right? I've heard it's one of the most secure out there. You're absolutely right. And with this, Messenger will be moving closer to the level of protection that WhatsApp, another meta-owned app, already provides. Speaking of other apps, what about Instagram? I remember they mentioned something about encryption for Instagram DMs, too. Yes, they did. End-to-end encryption protection for Instagram DMs is next in line after Messenger's rollout. But that's not all. They're also... Wait, there's more? Do tell. Well, apart from encryption, Meta is also launching new features for Messenger. You can now edit a message up to 15 minutes after sending, control the speed of voice messages, and they've even introduced new photo and video layouts. Wow, that's quite a lot. And what about the cross-platform messaging between Facebook and Instagram? I heard they were discontinuing that. Yes, you've heard right. That feature will be discontinued in December. It's a time of big changes for Meta, it seems. From encryption and privacy measures in social media apps, we now turn our attention to the exciting world of cryptocurrency. As the digital currency market continues to evolve, so too do the platforms offering these services. One such platform is making headlines with their ambitious expansion plans. So Robinhood is making big moves, Celeste. They're taking their crypto app to the EU, hot on the heels of their UK expansion. It seems they're going all in on this international push. They certainly are, but they're only offering their brokerage service in the UK, right? The EU is getting the full crypto treatment. That's right. And it's interesting because the EU has been leading the charge on crypto regulations. They've got the Mika rule, which is all about stablecoin regulation, right? It's one of the world's most comprehensive crypto asset regimes. Exactly. And Robinhood's general manager of crypto, Johan Kerbret, cited that as a reason for choosing the EU as the launchpad for their international expansion. But there's more. Hold on, James. Let's not gloss over this. Robinhood is promising not just low fees, but also a percentage of trading volume back to users paid in Bitcoin. That's a big deal. Absolutely. And they're supporting some 25 cryptocurrencies, including the big ones like Bitcoin and Ethereum. But given Robinhood's rocky past with the SEC in the U.S. You mean the $65 million settlement over misleading users and failing to deliver on promises? Exactly that. So they're taking steps to assure European users. They're promising transparency by showing the trading spread, including the rebate from sell and trade orders. And they're vowing not to mix customer coins with business funds, except for operating expenses. That's a timely move, especially after the FTX collapse. Indeed. 
The Robinhood crypto app is now available to EU citizens over 18, and there's more in the pipeline, like adding more tokens and features such as crypto transfers, staking, and learning rewards, right? All set for 2024. It's quite the ambitious roadmap for Robinhood. Absolutely. It's a bold move, but it could just pay off. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. From one ambitious venture to another, let's shift our gaze from the world of cryptocurrency to the realm of space exploration. Imagine not just a small step, but a giant leap towards building an economy on the moon. Yes, you heard that right. Let's dive into this fascinating development. So Celeste, imagine a bustling commercial market, not on Earth, but on the moon. Sounds like a sci-fi movie, doesn't it? It does, James, but it seems like DARPA is trying to make it a reality. They've selected 14 companies to develop a technological framework for a lunar economy. Quite a leap, isn't it? Absolutely. They're calling it the 10-Year Lunar Architecture, or LUNA-10 study. The aim is to design integrated solutions for lunar services, like logistics, construction, and communications. But they're not funding lunar surface technology demos or construction. It's more about creating the analytical framework that will underpin all future lunar activity. It's a... So, they're laying the groundwork for what could be a lunar economy. That's fascinating. But who are these 14 companies? It's a mix of big aerospace firms and smaller space startups. We're talking about Blue Origin, Cislunar Industries, Crescent Space Services, Fibertech, Firefly Aerospace, Gitai, Helios, Honeybee Robotics, Icon, Nokia of America, Northrop Grumman, Redwire Corporation, Sierra Space, and SpaceX. They'll be working in a highly collaborative environment to design system-level solutions for lunar services. It's a big... Wait, Nokia of America, as in the phone company? Yes, the very same. It's not just about phones anymore. They're expanding into space technology as well. Now, DARPA hasn't disclosed what each company will be working on, but some participants have released their own details. For example, Firefly said it would develop a framework for on-orbit spacecraft hubs based on its line of Elytra spacecraft. On-orbit spacecraft hubs? That sounds like something out of a Star Trek episode. It does, doesn't it? Firefly's plan is to create a system where spacecraft can dock together on orbit and provide services like refueling, delivery, transport, and deorbiting. They aim to reduce on-orbit mission response times from years to days. It's a truly ambitious... And what about the others? What are they bringing to the table? Gitai, for instance, plans to use its inchworm robot, which is equipped with tool-changeable end effectors for labor on the moon and space stations. And then there's Redwire, focusing on high-speed communications and positioning, navigation, and timing services. They envision a constellation of cislunar orbiting platforms offering robust services and broad lunar coverage. It's all about creating a thriving commercial lunar ecosystem. A commercial lunar ecosystem. Now that's a phrase I never thought I'd hear. It's amazing how far we've come in space technology. It certainly is, Celeste. It's a testament to human ingenuity and the desire to push the boundaries of what's possible. From the vastness of space to the vastness of data, let's pivot to another frontier that's equally fascinating and full of potential. This time, we're not looking at lunar economies, but at the realm of unstructured data storage. It's a sector that's seeing massive investments and innovation, with one New York-based startup making quite a splash. Vast Data, a New York-based startup, is making headlines with a whopping $118 million Series E round. 
The company, which offers a scale-out unstructured data storage solution, aims to eliminate tiered storage. That's a vast amount of cash indeed. So, in simpler terms, they're trying to get rid of setups that move data between high- and low-cost storage hardware, right? Exactly, Celeste. This funding round was led by Fidelity Ventures, and it brings vast data's valuation to a staggering $9.1 billion post-money. The company's total funding now stands at $381. Hold up, $9.1 billion. That's quite a leap. So what's driving this interest? Well, according to Vast's co-founder and CEO, Renan Halak, the surge in AI interest over the past year has been a huge boon for their business. Essentially, they're positioning themselves as a valuable investment for data-driven. So it's all about AI and data. But what makes Vast different from other data management platforms? Vast data is unique in that it unifies storage, database, and compute engine services in a single platform. It's designed to power AI and GPU-accelerated workloads across data centers and clouds. They're all about making data access efficient for AI and deep learning. That does sound like a game changer, but there must be some competition in this space, right? Absolutely. Companies like Databricks are also in the mix. But Halak believes vast data has a substantial first-mover advantage. The company's annual recurring revenue is now at $200 million, and it's growing at a rate of 3.3x year over year. They've even managed to secure some high-profile customers like Pixar and Zoom. Impressive growth indeed. So what's next for Vast Data? With this new funding, they're looking to expand their business reach, specifically in Asia-Pacific, the Middle East, and Europe. And considering they've been cash flow positive for the past 12 months, it seems they're well-positioned to... So they're not just surviving, they're thriving. It's going to be interesting to see how Vast Data continues to shape the future of data management and AI infrastructure. Absolutely, Celeste. The rise of AI and data-driven businesses is creating new opportunities and challenges, and it's clear that Vast Data is aiming to be at the forefront of this revolution.